What is up, everybody? It is your boy, Michael Harris, joined as always with Lincoln Cook. We are your left-hand, backhand podcast hosts. Um, thanks for joining us. And Lincoln, you want to kind of give us a rundown on what we're going to talk about this this episode? Yeah, we talked about, or we uh, teased it a little bit last week. We had the Discraft Great Lakes Open and a uh, four-round tournament. A lot to get into, so we'll we'll talk about that with our news and notes. Uh, then we'll do a, a little bit of a dealer's choice, talking about, about par in disc golf, the concept of par, um, mm-hmm. which we paused that dealer's choice from last week and brought it up to this week, so should be a uh, hopefully a good conversation that you'll enjoy. Uh, in the bag, we don't have too much coming up this week. Our bags have been kind of static lately, but I do have an order coming in, so we'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about what we're looking forward to in this next week or so of disc golf. So Perfect. with that, let's jump into D-Glow. Yeah. Um, you got the results pulled up, so we can do a, a quick like shout out of results and then we can get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. Uh, I'll start with FPO since there's not as much that I have to discuss on FPO unless you've got more. Nope. Uh, Owen Scoggin took it down on a course that you would not expect Owen to take it down at. So good for her. She Mm -hmm. won by two over Ella Hansen. Ella birdied 18 and Owen bogeyed 18. Yeah, it was, it was not. She, she, she would have won by more, but she kind of just like, she's like, yep, all I got to do is play for bogey and I win the tournament yeah. by two yeah. strokes still. So, it, yeah, it was a stress free end, closer than the yeah. score showed. Yep. But they, uh, they honestly shredded like for, yeah, especially the two of them compared to the rest of the field. Uh, 25 mm-hmm. down is impressive for a four round tournament. Uh, Ella Hansen in second place, minus 23. Then Kat Merch, minus 18. Missy Gannon and Holland Hanley tied for fourth at minus 15. And Jen Allen in sixth at minus 12. And then it kind of drops off there, and everybody else is like close to par or yeah. over par from that point on. So really, it was Own and Ella, and then Kat, Missy, Holland, and Jen Allen did pretty well. But it was yeah. Own and, and Ella for the most part. For sure, yeah. So good to see you take take down a big bomber tournament like that yeah, for a that was, non-bomber player. That was her first elite series win. If I if I really yeah, she's had four. She had wow. I don't know if it's thirteen or fourteen podiums without a win. And if she did not win this week, she would have broken the record of like most podium finishes without the victory for real that's yeah. crazy yeah so dang yeah well good for her uh i had something else i was going to say about her but anyways um anything else with the fpo or should we jump to mpo no i mean it was it was a good tournament it's it's cool to see the different layout that they have um to their score and still being able to be successful um, they're not playing the same yeah. MPO layout, and this will will we can wrap this up in the tied into the uh, the dealer's choice of yours. But it's like they have the different tee pads, a few holes have different pars, and it shows that it is tailored to their skill level, pretty much like to the T, where like the leaders are shooting well, and it goes down sequentially all the way to the bottom. Uh, the the point that I just remembered that I was going to say is that Own only had five OB strokes between the four rounds, yes. which, you know, when you think about it in totality, like it's kind of hard to know if five is good or bad. Yeah. But the difference between her and was it uh, Haley King was that if Haley King had the same amount of OB strokes as Own, she would have won first place. Which is nuts. Like that just shows yeah. how one how difficult the course is with the added OB that we did not play during the USAMs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but to just 
show that control to keep it in the keep it in play, take par when you need to take par and score when you can. Like she just did a great job. It was impressive. Yeah, for sure. It was good. And then MPO, we had our boy Simon Lazat take down a course that he has long wanted to take down. Uh, he won shooting minus 30 over the four rounds, uh, three strokes over Eagle McMahon in second place, and then mm-hmm. Chris Dickerson and Cole Rodolin tied for third at minus 25. Calvin Heinberg and Kevin Jones tied for fifth, minus 24. And then a little jump down to Isaac Robinson at seventh at minus 20. Uh, Ricky Wysocki in eighth, Anthony Burrell at ninth. Uh, and then Jake Hebenheimer and Gannon Burr at tied for 10th uh, place at minus 17. So yeah. there's a pretty big jump between the first through third and then fifth to like 12th, 14th. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, but after that, there is doubles at every single score, all the way down to like forty six. So, like fiftieth place, Andrew Presnell yeah. was even par for the tournament. So, and there was uh, only seventy three in the tournament. Wow, that seems like a smaller field. It was because it's the first playoff event. So not everyone uh, was able yes. qualified to get in and play. That is correct. Yeah. Thank you for reminding us of that. Yeah. Uh, I still don't fully know how this whole playoff series works. So maybe yeah. we'll have to spend a week. We'll have to spend a segment like next week or something talking about how the, the whole yeah. playoff breaks down and do, do, do our research to provide the correct information. But uh, I did just notice that Brody was, shot minus four for the tournament. And I believe that's what he shot in our USAM's the, the doubles, doubles round. practice round match, yeah, right? I think so. Yeah, he shot minus four by himself, but that was also with no drawn out OB lines. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I think his last round he was, I can just look at it, four or six. He was seven down his final round. So like oh, he, he shredded here. that final yeah. round. But could not put it together. Oh, in the previous yeah. ones, so yeah, rounds round one he shot a seventy, which is not great, and then uh, two and three weren't great. But yeah, fifty-eight, that's a fantastic score still. Yeah. Um, what did you think of? I mean, we're gonna compare a lot of this to our experience at USAMS because we played yeah. this course. Yeah. But a slightly altered layout with a couple um, alternate basket locations which I thought were cool on some yeah. different holes. They played the layout, uh, the same layout the first day and the final day. And then the second and third day, they had a few altered pins, not all of them, but yeah. probably maybe, maybe a third of them. It was just three. Did you say? It was just three. Just three. Okay. Yeah. Well, one, three yeah, whole, so one two, and uh, I want to say 11, the downhill 11. drift to the no. right. 12. 12. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so I felt like there there could have been even more, which oh easily would have been easily, you know, kind of fun to experiment with that a little bit more as to like change the course up even more. Yes, uh, but yeah, but so we played that the day one and day four we played that layout. Yes, right. The yep. only difference was the par on fifteen. Yes, it was a par five for right. us. There was a yeah. Par five for us, par four for them. And then they had OB not everywhere like littered. Not everywhere, everywhere, but a lot more places. But on almost every hole there was OB that was not in play for us. Yeah. Uh yeah. Primarily the big the biggest like the only one I didn't like was hole sixteen. They turned it into an island hole. Yeah. Which it just is it's two of too much of a, a luck factor yeah, with whether I, I, or not you get through a branch or if you just make it out clean or if you hit a branch and knock down and then yeah. you don't make the island. Yeah. But I absolutely loved Simon's play on the final day to just oh, yeah. go over the top, past the basket, and have a drop-in par 
yeah. to just essentially cheat the hole. And apparently it made Nate Heinold pretty upset. Good. And I'm fine with it. Like, honestly, like those. Yeah. If, I mean, if you can it's... take advantage of the rule, take advantage of the rule. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you're not going to set it up exactly how you want. So I'm thinking of like a 17 at USDGC. If you do not make those exact stipulation and rules for your hole where you can't just cross the invisible line and advance, then you're not going to get the exact result that you are wanting as a tournament director. Um, with that hole specifically, I it I could understand punishing like short shots like eagles it was not a good shot it should be kind of punished but up by the basket if you missed 15 feet long into that shrubbery you don't even have a good putt if you miss where yeah where simon did you don't have a putt so like by putting those restraints in that island in you forced the players to kind of work within the rules to break the hole. Yeah. Um, yep. And it, it's so and funny I'm... because the Brody was talking about it with Yuli saying, if it comes down to it, I'm just going to like a day before the tournament, if it comes down to the last hole, like hole 16 and I'm up by a few strokes, that's a great play to do. Like he talked about it and I played a tournament or a practice round at a ball golf course. And you know how ball golf like bunkers are always a hazard, but this one had a play within the bunker. Yeah. This one had a really small peninsula and the basket was on the tip of it. So like if you're 15 feet safe on green, you're putting to an elevated basket with sand right behind it, which is a huge like drop off, like just absolute death putt. Yeah. And this was a 440 foot par four. And I'm just like, throw it into the bunker. Take your penalty. Have like, a tap in birdie. Have a tap in per- birdie. Uh, Yes. Like have a tap in birdie, not an eagle. But it's like, it's stress free because you're putting out of the hazard instead of like looking at it. So it's like, yes. I, players will always try to find a way to manipulate and use the design and the rules to like benefit them. And that's what they're there. I mean, it's not, they're not there to be bent and broken, but like everyone has the ability to do that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're scoring that golf is all about scoring, right? Like uh, I'm fine with that OB being behind the basket there to because that's how the rest of the course is to have that BOB. And if you go into it, you know, you don't have a putt within that nasty crap. Whereas like where I lost my color glow D three that I'm still very upset about on that left side. Yeah. If I were left during USAMs, I would have to pitch out and I'm probably going to get a bogey because yeah. I'll have to pitch out like just to get You're out not of the get junk close. Yeah. and then, and then lay up and then tap in my bogey. Yeah. Whereas like USA or for, Deglow, like if you don't make it, you just go to that drop zone regardless. I did like the one feature of that island where they said if you did cross elsewhere, you could take it where it crossed or you could take it to the drop zone. So you had the choice. Yeah. Which I always, I mean, that's kind of a bad example on that hole, but I'm just pro like giving the player the choice to take it either like, yeah. say you missed a Mando. Right, you could yeah. go to like where you miss the Mando, or you could go to the drop zone. Like giving the player the option based on how yeah. they want to play it. I I am very much in favor of those in tournaments, just in general. But yeah, that's kind of a side of fact. Um, were there any other holes that you did like or did not like with just like kind of the changes in the the pin location or the changes in the OB compared to USAMs. What were your thoughts there? Um, I think we can just kind of quickly go through each hole because I thought it was really fun. Um, hole one, sure. I love the two pin locations. I think the 
pin location for day two and three was really tight to that left side OB line. So it was which I like. I, I like it, but like to me, those weren't any different shots. It was just like it was the same shot. It's just you have to put it over more OB when it's on that left side as opposed to the right. Um yeah. I was also kind of shocked that like more of the pros didn't get that long position. Cause I mean for us, I mean we we never yeah. birded it either, but we're also not throwing it as far as the pros. So it made me feel better Weird. that like I wasn't I'm not that far down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh no I feel you. Round two I had a look on that hole. If you yeah. remember. Yeah. I was like 45 feet or so. Yeah, you're, you're, pin, you're pin high. Pin location. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that one was a little short. The first day I was pin high. I was just okay. like 80 or 90 left. Yeah. Um, yeah. It. I just generally across the board, watching this tournament was very humbling. Also, playing in USMs was very humbling because I played like absolute dog crap. And it was a little bit difficult to watch this tournament because – I was just like, I played so bad at USAM. Like, this is just, oh, I yeah. could have, like, in my mind, I should do and can do so much better, but I just absolutely didn't. So it was a little, <laughs> a little yeah. bit of like, uh, not bitter, but like melancholy. Like, dang, this is super fun to watch because I played this course, but also I played so bad that it's like a little bit embarrassing just to myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that being said, hole two was probably the hole that made me feel the worst about myself because I bogeyed it rounds one and three. Yeah. And watching them play it, like they were going driver putter. And I want to say it was Simon went past the basket on A one of the bit. rounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like it took me three strokes to get to the top of the hill. Yeah. It, or three shots. And it took them one and a half almost like yeah the the biggest difference between me and a pro as of usams was distance man like yeah yeah oof, helps that one, to be able to throw far yeah that one i do want to bring up when we start talking about pars but i i wasn't the biggest fan of where they moved that basket it was on the like yeah that was the old old basket location it's short top of the hill it didn't make it hard enough if you just put the basket instead of to the left of that hill put it to the right of the, the right. hill yep. like totally it changes There's enough space. every it changes everything it like, does and it, it makes it it makes it a right hand backhand hyzer to you have to get something to go uphill and turn to the right yeah or you know throw a forehand for it and, and that's the thing yeah yeah and that's what i if you're gonna move a basket Make it so the shot, like the hole visually for fans yeah. looks the same, but make the players have to change their shot selection or shot shape. 100%. And I think... Yep. Otherwise, you're just moving a basket to move a basket. Yeah, and I think that's what hole 12 did really, really well because this is what they were talking... Brody was talking about on... I think it was the bait night, is like in that shorter position... Everyone was doing kind of hysery forehands into that basket, but you can't reach it on that farther one. So they're having to do more of an understable turnover shot. Like yes. everyone, instead of that's two different shots. Yes. It's going the same, but to get into the, into the circle, you're having to execute two very different shots, which is yeah, like hundred percent. Totally. Awesome. Awesome. Totally agree with that. I, yeah, like, and that hole too, I was like, easy par from where I was at. I was also surprised they didn't make that right side OB. Uh, yeah, where, on the hill. Where I, yeah, where I ended up on my second round that I almost made that like 60 yeah. footer downhill. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which that was still like one of my best putts of the, <laughs> of the tournament. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just, just like seeing that hole was like, Yes, this this changes the shot. Yeah, you you want it to be the same play of the hole, 
mm-hmm. but changing the shot a little bit, right? Yeah. So you can't just do the same thing and then you can't just go from like a seven speed to a 10 speed, right? Just because you need a little bit extra distance when you're throwing the same shot. It's a, it's a different shape. And yeah, I think, I think the pro tour should continue to experiment with more of that. Uh, for instance, hole 16, don't make it a, uh, like have one pit position be a little bit more tucked to the right and one t- up to the left instead Something. of an island. Yeah. It makes it, yeah, it changes how a player attacks the hole and it makes their uh, different uh, penalties for trying to attack a pin, right? On hole 16, if you're going to go to the left and try to hyzer through there, well, there's a chance that you grip lock it and you put it into the trees on the right. Or you are a little early and drop the trees in the left. Or, you know, if it's down down to the right, they're going to have to throw a forehand or a backhand turnover. And, you know, just it just changes the approach. And you, I think that just, especially for a four-round tournament, um, I will say, what did you think of the difference in, like, having it be rounds one and four and then two and three with the different locations? Or do you think it should have been, like, one, two, rounds one, one two. and two and, and then – three and four um i don't think so i i really liked how it was um and it kind of reminds me i think it should be one and four and two and three as well i i I think that's better it kind of just makes Uh, sense somehow yes yeah yeah because it doesn't make it logistical sense to go every other day no it's just a lot of work that you don't need to do Whereas uh, having it be rounds one, you can see, okay, yep, mental note, this is going to be the same as round four. And then, but you never know what the, the weather conditions too. So it's not like you can just play the same exact shot. It's, yeah. you know, you're altering, but you have to remember back to, oh, okay, yeah, that first round, yeah, I needed to do this instead. Or I don't know, I liked it. Yeah, I think it, it flows well. It kind of like, it makes it feel like it's, two different courses but it's on the same property and it's like i i think of like other tournaments like um we just had it ledgestone what did they mm-hmm. did they went um what are the courses eureka and then and northwoods North black and then did they go one two and then one two I think so, right? Shoot, I think they did. No, it went. It went Eureka, Northwood, Northwood, Eureka. And, so so, same, okay, okay. So layout. that's why. That's why. Okay, good. I'm glad they did that because, like, that in my head, that's what it feels like it should be. Yes, because they did it there. Every time they have two courses, they kind of do it that way. I feel like. Um, yeah, it just makes yeah. the most sense. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Hole three, they shredded hole four. I loved the new little wood planks that they put in front of the green. Yeah. That looked really nice. It it makes it like harder, but also less gimmicky. Because like sometimes that that was very rocky yeah. and uh rooty. So you didn't you didn't know what like bounce or slide you were gonna get. So yeah, I liked I like that for yeah. sure. It looked good. Yeah, that hole did frustrate me because all three rounds I was in position to birdie that hole and I didn't come out with the birdie all because of my second shot. Yeah. And just like seeing them execute, they're they're just so much more precise. Yeah. And that, that was a hole that told me, Yep, I am for sure like several tiers below these touring pros because they can be in the same because I was in the same exact position they were off the tee. Yeah. Like on multiple multiple of the players on the lead cards, I was in the same positions they were after their tee shot, but they executed the upshot without hitting a branch or, you know, yeah, missing where they needed to miss and they just made it look so easy and it was like, dang, that's uh Yeah. I yeah. It props to their precision and their consistency in it yeah. too. Yeah. Um hole five stayed the same. It was love good. that hole. Yeah. I love that hole. It, I still that, think that they could change the pin, have one be a little bit further, 
and one be uh, maybe a little bit more guarded to get close to the pin. Yeah. I would like, you know, where Eagle ended up on, I think it was round two or three, like off to that right side. I think it'd be sweet to put mm-hmm. one over there, you know, like almost just same distance, just instead of straight to the left, it's straight to the right. Yeah. Just, just yeah. on the other well, side, think, other side well, of that stump. Yeah. Agreed. I, I think it'll be interesting to monitor the changes next year and yeah. see what they do. Just see if they continue to play with these pin locations. Cause I yeah. think this was kind of the first tournament that they really did that. Yeah. And uh, it'll, yeah, we'll see if they add more yeah. uh, hole six, the, the par four that I had that, stupid crazy roller on i can definitely uh, see, tell <laughs> you did have a roller and it is almost a hundred percent the play yes, i feel like it like is. It, it's so i don't yeah, know why we didn't for think a of, yeah well simon did it all, all four rounds and he, he said he birdied it all four rounds dang yeah his shot didn't again, land that close but... on the second shot yeah because i was in the fairway twice on it and they just have way more precision i think i didn't bogey that any of the rounds i don't think right no no it's a it's kind of a hard one to bogey if you get up to that flat ground yes it i mean you can have rollaways if you're yeah if you're putting from the junk down on the the bottom um yeah uh hole seven I loved seeing the Pro Tour struggle on it because I hate that hole. Yeah. <laughs> and so it made me feel a little better that they struggled on it as well. Yeah. Um, hole eight, I I feel like in tournaments in the past, hole eight getting through that gap and going hard to the left, I feel like I never saw anybody ever miss that gap. And then when I played it, I missed it twice. Um, and yeah. then watching this tournament, a bunch of people, like it was like at least one or two every card yeah. missed the gap the, and so, i'm like okay it makes me feel a little better because yeah it is a tough gap to hit dude it's a hard gap they did one i think trees got bigger and bushier maybe not from when oh, we were yeah. there yeah. but just like over time trees grow but two from, from the 18 down round yeah for sure two they added obi on the right and the left that gets mm-hmm. into people's head and makes them think a little bit more off the tee instead of being able to just throw your most overstable disc and have it flare out to the left side. And I I, yeah. I think sure. that that's what it where OB like everyone says oh there's maybe too much artificial out of bounds maybe. And they might not be trying to like punish people by adding all those extra strokes but getting people to think about their disc selection, shot shape, and how they're going to throw it to stay inbounds is just another element of like thinking that players have to now worry about instead of just hitting that first gap. Yeah. Yep. I feel like they didn't make a lot of artificial OB. No, they like, just it lined... Was kind of natural OB. Like, it was. They just lined the cutout fairway from yep. the junk, which also... like. Throwing from that junk is miserable, anyways. Yeah. I can I can attest to it. Yeah, I was in it multiple times. Like <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. Uh, but I I feel like they didn't add too much artificial OB. No. And I think it helps speed whole, up the play too. Add, but it does because then you know you go and you have spotters that help find the disc, but you just go to where out of bounds, throw, and then go get your disc. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. For speed and um, also safety, I feel like. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I am happy to watch hole eight, knowing that I did birdie at once. Yeah. Because that was pretty cool, just yeah. to have that big putt birdie, but also just to watch them get all the way up to the pin with, like, these you know, big shots. turning like, backhands oh and stuff. God. It's like, they have just it, it, they make it look so easy. Yeah, yeah. As well, uh, it also I should have just gone like my C line FD three on that hole. 
instead of trying to go to like a venom or trying to get out and further to the left, I should have just like gone for the gap because it's not as far of a shot as like mentally I thought that it would, that it would have been. Cause like I reached it with my FD one. Yeah. I was like, you could have, you could have gone FD three, FD three type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Notes for, uh, notes for next time we get it up there. Yeah. Hopefully. (laughs) Um, whole, whole nine. They made look so easy. It was stupid. It was stupid. They all just went mid ranges and stuff. Like Simon out drove the hole on the final round. Yeah. Uh, AB used his Luna. Yes. Disgusting. So that's wild. And there was that crazy ace with that leopard three. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Uh, And then also it did. Oh, go on. Uh, Sorry, I was just going to say on hole nine, uh, that was a very strange hole for me all tournament because I went par, par, par in three of the most ridiculous ways. Yeah. Like I had a missed missed 20 foot birdie putt (laughs) and then a comeback at 20 feet or something like that for par. Yeah. And the two of the most crazy scrambles I had. And then, yeah, I worked really hard for my pars. And then you could see, you know, somebody like Eagle just like, all right, well, I'll just lay up for par on a, you know, couple times where it was like, they didn't hit the shot perfectly, but like, they just made it look like, oh, okay, you know, easy par. Whereas like, I was like stressed out about my pars. Always. On hole. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, hole 10 is stupid. They made that look how, so easy. How Calvin got a two on there. Oh my word. I will dude. like, I will never, I would, I would never believe that if you said that was going to happen. Um, I still like even watching it. I I am like, no, that didn't really happen. Yeah, it just goes to show, like once you, because we always were at like the crest of that hill where that big tree was. It goes to show you getting that eighty to a hundred ish feet farther and having it yep. be like flat opens up the ceiling of the tree line, so you can yeah. actually get your disc up into the hill um yep because that's, that's all they do is just throw it to the like it goes like up and then it's flat and then up again they throw it to the base of that second upness and they can throw their disc in the air whereas if you're still on the first uphill you can only throw We're it kind of having to like into the or... second hill yeah 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 no it's crazy i i think i bogeyed it once I think I bogeyed it the final round, but I played that hole as best I could have, and the best that I could have done was a par. Yeah. And Calvin friggin' threw in for an eagle, which is yeah. crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, hole 11, we talked about already. Yep. Hole 12, they made exact it look same. so simple. Throwing yep. 500 feet uphill. Yeah. Uh, hole 13 happy to see them struggle as much as i did or struggle in the same way that i did because yeah. it really is kind of a fluky ish like, even if you throw a really good shot it's, it's a little fluky yeah it, it is. it's like not what a disc does in a flight you know it's a it's a very w- weird like shape of a flight so it's like you can't get yeah. it to hit that line all the time Yep, which I still love that hole. So, like, I don't want them to change it, but it is a little fluky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 13. Uh, then hole four. Is that 13? Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, 14. Yeah, that was, that was 13. Just like... Hole 14, the, I bogeyed it all three rounds. Hate yeah. that hole Yeah. because I can't throw 500 feet, and the pros just make it look so easy. Like, AB was throwing a putter on a second shot yeah it took yeah. me three shots to get up to the basket yeah it's ridiculous they're crazy it's fun yep it, it is just i want to throw far yeah i want to throw far i want to learn how to do it <laughs> yeah uh uh hold 15. 15 they just made it look so simple yeah i think 
I don't. I mean, I know had they had some troubling weather. Um, I don't know how it compared to what when we played, but I know we had like pretty significant wins for some of the some of the shots on that T pad. Yeah. Um, it didn't look like they had much. They take more overstable drivers, and it's only right handed right hand backhand throwers. So it's really easy for them to just spike it into the top of the trees. So it actually turns the corner and lands Mm -hmm. like in the opening. So they, they break that hole for sure, but it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy though. It's not easy, but for, for them, it's a challenging hole. Like to see what they did on that hole to throw some of the most amazing shots of the entire tournament on that hole was just so cool to see happen. But it yeah. wasn't like everybody was doing that. It was just, you know, the elite of the elite. Mm-hmm. And I think that's still a very good hole. I think par four for the pros is fair. And I think par five for the amps is fair. Yes. I For the pros, like to me, that is, it's not too hard of a par four, but it's pushing that like you need two very good shots and to make a putt. To get a four, yes. whereas and that's how whole, it should be. The whole fourteen right before that, all you really need is that five hundred foot drive, six hundred foot drive, and then it's a three hundred and forty, three hundred and fifty foot hyzer shot, and then you're up there. Like that's not the. It's wide open. Yes, it's uphill. It's not easy for AMs, but like for those guys, yeah, that's not a hard hole. Right, but I, I, it's fair to have the those sprinkled in on a course. Like you need to have some attackable holes and some that are more punishing. And that's why I thought this course did a good job of like being. Some holes were you not musket birdies, but like easier, and some were make just getting a par was great. Yep, birdies I think were achievable on every hole. Yeah, Almost they always were. Yeah. Maybe maybe not maybe not thirteen as much, but <laughs> uh, but birdies were achievable on most every hole. Yeah, and there were some that were just like, "Yep, you should birdie this hole." Like this is a birdie hole, and some were like, "A birdie's a bonus," and that's how it is. Like that's how it should be, you know. Like yeah, know. I'm looking I thought at it was good. thought yeah, it was fair. Yeah, I'm looking at. I mean, it's not like a full hole breakdown, but hole thirteen had. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, around eight birdies and one, two, three, four, four bogeys. And the rest were pars. The entire tournament? No, no, no. Just around four. Okay. Yeah. That's actually more than I expected. Yeah. Each, each, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's fair. Yeah. Each hole had a little bit of teeth to them. Which is more than some tournaments we play. Yeah, which is cool. Uh, we talked about all sixteen, yep. all seventeen. Nothing really changed. They made it look so nope. simple. Yeah, being able to just throw far. Yep. Uh, although I did almost have a look for birdie my final round, but yeah. we also cut off a chunk of distance going OB. Yeah, where they have like, to kind of go around. Yeah, for us, it was no B for them. It was. Uh, and then hole 18, I loved the change. I thought That's it was cool. great. Yeah. It just makes I you not... I think it was a better better finishing hole to be able to potentially get birdie, you know, play aggressive, yeah. and risk a bogey to try yeah. to get the birdie, whereas otherwise it was just kind of a simple either par or birdie, and that was it. No yeah, yeah but hole. before with the par three, it's almost at worst a par but this yeah. one it made you execute for me. it made you execute at least one good shot to get a par like you have to just at least hit yeah. a good drive and then you can pitch 200 feet pitch 100 feet like jump putt and then you're tapping in your par yeah so was like, it chris dickerson that threw uh putter putter he threw his drive and then went putter putter for his par. Probably the final round. Yeah, 
Yeah, just hit that, like stuck to his game plan. He's like, you know, I'm playing for par, and I think that's totally respectable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so. I thought it was a fun tournament. Lots of drama. Scores were, you know, bouncing around. Simon played amazing. Yeah. What shot minus ten the final round? Minus ten final round and minus eleven the third round. So it's just utterly insane. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was fun to watch, especially after our whole experience there this year. So yeah. For all all hundred of our listeners, the uh you will not have to hear us talk about D Glow much more, but yeah. We love that course. That is a, a kind of a signature to our year of twenty twenty three. For sure. Yeah. It was fun. It's a good time. Cool. Uh, on, to, on to pars. Yeah, transitioning to pars talking par in disc golf talking dealer's choice. We've talked about how hole fifteen was a par five for us at USAM and a par mm-hmm. four for uh, the pros, whereas uh, on, we we'd seen over the last few tournaments there were holes that the pro tour were kind of complaining about because they're like, and this is like nobody's ever going to birdie this hole. Like this should be a par six, for instance, hole twelve at Northwood Black. They're like yeah. this should be a par six. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Uh, I just wanted to bring up kind of generically a conversation about your thoughts on par in disc golf compared to par in golf. Yeah. What should the standard be? What should the pro tour do? What should, yeah. it, is there a difference between par for us and par for them? And what, what are your thoughts on par in disc golf in terms of, using par as a term of scoring, right? Yeah. Um, so I think the hardest part of talking about par in disc golf is this, the level of putting is so high on the pro tour that you often, like, it's almost a gimme from 25, 30 feet. So you don't like people, people expect to get more birdies than pars. They expect to get like 15 birdie putt opportunities per round, 10, like double digits almost on a lot of courses. Whereas in traditional ball golf, the aspect of putting is so much more difficult that it requires to get a birdie in golf, you have to have a really good drive. I'm going to just go for par four. You have to have a really good drive, usually somewhere in the fairway. Like it just doesn't have to go that far. Your approach shot has to be really good on the green, hopefully close to the basket because an eight foot putt is really hard. And if you're making anything outside of 10 feet, even for pros, they're 50% outside of 10 feet. Like that's like their average tour pro. I think at 10 feet, that's yeah. it's 50%. It's so like a 10 foot putt and farther is less than a 50% chance of making. That number yeah. for the pro tour of golf is 99% outside of circle. Is, yeah, it's outside of circle one. So it's like, their approach to greens does not have to be as accurate or like specific to obtain a birdie. Um, yeah. So I don't totally agree. Yeah. So like when people, especially like in our level and higher, you get upset when you don't get birdies and you like you're, cause you're expecting, you're expecting them. Um, it's just a different mindset. So the, whereas, yeah, go on. Yeah. So my my question is to you: Does our mindset in disc golf need to change, or does par need to change? Uh, I Do you I know don't, what I'm asking. Y- kind of. Um, 
like I don't think our mindset needs to change. I because I that's what I love about disc golf is it's and Simon brought this up on in a in a interview he had. He's like, we should lean into the excitement of the possibility of going 15 down, going 18 down, like shooting 11, like those double digit under par should be like, we should be okay with that. Um, do we want the pros doing it day in and day out and not being like pushed and stressed? No. Um, like if you told Simon, like ask about his 11 down, I guarantee you he's going to say like he was stressed and had to work and he just executed to get that score. Whereas if you go to the preserve and you shoot 11 down one, there's going to be at least 10 other guys that did it. And two, True. They, they might be upset. They shot 11 down because of how many opportunities they squandered throughout that round. Yeah. So like, I don't think our mentality needs to change as far as like, looking for birdies and shooting low scores. Um, I think just our expectations of the courses we are on needs to, you need to be okay with some courses being easier and some courses being harder to still shoot a really good round. Yeah. So I, I agree with that sentiment. Somebody said recently, and I can't remember what pro it was. They said, you know, the the expectation in golf is a par. That is a good score. Yeah. And anything better than a par is a great score, right? In disc golf, par is almost like unacceptable for a lot of pros on a majority over of half the holes on tour, I would yes. say. Yeah. Like, yeah, the majority, right? Yeah. Par is like, well, didn't do it. But oh, oh well, you know, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think there's kind of a mentality shift that should happen because our concept of par is not golf's concept of par. Our no. concept of par, our concept of birdie, is golf's concept of par. Yeah. I like it's it's almost closer to that. Like a birdie to disc golf is a par in golf almost, right? Like yeah. A part a par three for us should be one shot in the fairway, one shot to the basket, one putt. Yeah. Well, uh, yes and right? no, because like Whereas, I, I think of ball golf on a par three, you have your chip, drive, whatever, your iron into the green and two putt and two putt so like for disc golf are we thinking our drive to the green and then two putt for par so like i think because of our putting and how easy it is changes like a par three isn't two shots to get there and making your one putt it's it has all has to do with kind of like the putting and like the finishing and scoring of a hole. I feel like. Yeah. I just, I think that there is potentially more good from a mentality shift because in a tournament, I shot minus one, my first round at Crooked Fines, and I was very upset with myself for only yeah. shooting minus one. Yeah. If I did that on a golf course, I'd be thrilled. I, you know, I'd be through the roof. That, that yeah. would almost tie my personal best. Yeah. But then the second round I shot minus nine and I was still upset with myself because I left out like five strokes on the course still. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's almost a, like people get upset for only shooting four or five down. Whereas like, yeah, I, you know, just like the expectation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas I think, I think if we make putting harder and make the basket twice the length of a putter instead of twice the length of an ultimate frisbee. Yeah. I think that is the first step I would like to see in terms of just making putting harder, but that's an age old debate. And so I guess I'm not, I'm not looking for an answer, but I just kind of wanted to bring up the, 
concept of par and, and whether or not it's it's correct, if it's incorrect, if it's a mentality shift that should happen, if it's just, you know, we just kind of like, we just like seeing those low scores. And so we just keep it yeah. as it is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, yeah. there's, there's not a right answer. I don't think. No. Um, and I know, so like going back to Deglo, there was hole one for the FPO was the same as it was for MPO. And I'm looking at scores and just the final round, there was not a single birdie on hole one. I'm going to just quickly go through each round. So not a single they birdie. Couldn't, they couldn't reach it. They couldn't reach it. And I heard complaints of from the players. I think they said this in on the Grip Lock podcast, but like they didn't like that because they couldn't get a birdie. That is where I think our mentality needs to change is like you yeah. should be okay with getting a par is acceptable and avoid bigger numbers. Um and then they go to don't, hole two. Don't complain. Don't complain about not being able to get birdie if you can't reach a hole. Yeah. Because that's like if you can't reach it but somebody else can, they have the advantage. Yeah. That's just kind of how it is, you know? Yeah. And like, to me, like, that's not a par four for them. Yeah. Like, that's too easy of a par four. Everyone will get that because you look at hole two, they tee off from just behind the landing zone of the MPO drives. And I think more than, well, Round one, they didn't get a lot of birdies, but round two, it was about 50% birdie, 50% pars. But it was and... in a short location, though. No, par four, or round four. Oh, so it was, okay, it was farther. Yeah, and round three, like that one, there is a par four. It is uphill, so it's like difficult, but there was zero, I think there was three bogeys for the entire weekend. So it's like, are you going to complain that that one is too easy or no? Like, it's so funny how disc golfers complain when thing holes are too hard. And then they complain when it's too easy and attackable and everyone gets a birdie. Yep. It's like, yep. make up what you, and that's where I think we should dig into. It's okay if we have a lot of easy holes. Cause that also like, like a memorial, like that adds some strip. You don't want all 18 holes must get birdies. That's boring. Yeah. You, you need, you need some that are easy because it also puts pressure on, on you to say this. Yes. I, I'm supposed to get this hole. And yes. it's like, for me, half the time that it's a, a must get birdie. I I'm like, gonna, I'm going to part myself in a position where I'm, where I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it goes back to and like, then there's no. even like the must get pars that I sometimes don't get. Because it's like I'm supposed to par this. It's an easy par if I just play for par. Yeah. But if you don't execute, bogey mm -hmm. easily in play. Yeah. It I think kind there's of... like like you said, there should be there should be both easy birdies and play for pars on all courses. Yeah. And I th I think for like any of our listeners that are right-handed players, you don't know it, but how many times do we go to a course as a lefty and everyone's like oh here's your lefty hole guess yes. what that puts some pressure on me because it's true there's only oh great. one I have two, two holes maybe three course that are must get birdies for a lefty it's like that, adds that are quote stress. Unquote, easy lefty hole yes yes and so it's like cool i'll take those but that i'm not gonna get them that often so that's the thing. It's For like, instance, hole nine at Prickly Pines. I missed it both rounds. And it's yeah. the it's like the only like actual lefty friendly hole. Is that the one where it kind of goes uphill and it's on to the right? Oh, over the shrubs and so you just play a lefty hyzer into it. Yeah. And yeah. uh both both rounds I was too far left and yeah. get it far enough right. Yeah. 
Yep. Dumb. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I'm not looking for a resolution. Just thought it'd be kind of a fun discussion point. Yeah. And I think, so like, also I want to tie in like for the FPO on hole two, I think on hole, day one and four, what if they tee off from the MPO? Call it a par five. I would love that. Cause then like when you okay. go when you go that three hundred feet off the off the MPO T pad, that like you go from the FPO basket, like it's just a yes. straight shot into the hill and then it's a very straight shot. Like if you make them do three, I, I three shots up the hill, like it's different footing, it's weird. I would have it at round two. Yeah. Like I think I think that and would be I would feel a lot better about that hole mentally. Because yeah. like I was playing for par and I still had a putt at the edge of the circle on all mm-hmm. three rounds. Yeah. I think I think I would love to see that for FPO is like day one and five day one and four, par five from the MPO, and then day two and three, a par four from the FPO T pad. I think that's just such like yeah, I like that. You don't change the whole at all. You don't do any more work for yourself. You can change the basket still. And then I also think for hole 10, the uphill one, they play to a farther back basket. Same thing. Make it a par five, and they're going all the way up yeah. to the top, like the MP. Yep. Like, I think that would be so much fun for them because anytime you can make players have to execute more shots, the better. I 100% agree. So, yeah. Uh, I did have another mini duo's choice, but I think we've uh, exhausted probably the last uh, bit of our podcast listenership. Yeah. So we're good. I will. We're good. I'm I'm jotting it down as a note, and I will save it for next week. But perfect. Um, any moving in the bag. Any new discs in your bag? Anything you're uh, wanting to try? Looking at need no build spots. You know, where, where's your bag at right now? Um, like, anything new? No, nothing new. Um, I just put. Well, I get. I put just all Lone Star in there just to give it a try, see how it goes. Um, took every other disc out, so I'm gonna give this a go for a few months. Cause kind of like my season's winding down, so like, I just go to do a lot of field work, do a couple of weeklies, play mm-hmm. play courses. So like my tournament season's not like up and running now, so um, give them like a full go. Cause I still like relied on a lot of my other staple discs. Um, yeah. Instead of fully diving in, so that's what I'm gonna do with that. Yeah. Cool. Well. Based on our discussion last week, I want to say, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just talking through a couple of my holes, um, I got my Lone Star quarterly allotment on its way to me. So I finally got my shirt and my patch. Nice. And I also picked up a pretty flat top alpha bayonet. That would be good. So I'm excited to give that one a, a throw. I also picked up another Guadalupe. Because so, you lost yours? Yeah, thankful. Lost mine and it never got returned to me. And I don't have anything less stable than a mockingbird in my uh, fairway drivers. Yeah, so that'll be nice. And then I also picked up another Alpha Curl. That's a quote unquote X out, and it's only an X out because a tiny corner of the stamp is like off, and it was like doubled down on that. So. Like yeah. literally nothing, nothing wrong with the disc at all. Just a tiny stamp mess up, and nice. it's beautiful purple or sorry pink swirl to it. So I got that for ten bucks. Pretty sweet. Uh, so I'll have the bayonet in my bag and the Guadalupe in my bag, which will be super good. And nice. then uh, I do have. We played a putter mountain course this last week so i had zones in, in the bag and i realized that i do need something more stable than the copperhead i mean i've always known that i do but yeah. like 
when it comes to like a tournament, I would not be comfortable with just the copperhead. Yeah. Yep. So I have I have the link in the zone, and those are the only other non lone star molds in my bag. Uh, nice. But intrigued to try an Artemis still. See if it is going to be. It's if not. I can find a stable one, I don't know. I no. I know. I just want it to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. I and know. I still want that FD three. I want a zone, and I want an FD three that's Lone Star, and then uh, then I think I'll be set. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, what are you what are you looking cool. forward to coming up? Uh, this last weekend I played two mountain courses with Micah, so that was fun. Got to throw a bunch of putters, and I played like not well. Um, my arm was starting to bug me, so I've taken the week off. Nice. As in, I'm not playing the rest of this week, just to give my shoulder some rest because it was, I I could feel the next morning when I woke up that my shoulder was really sore, and then the next day it was still sore. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna give myself like a little over a week off. Um, but I might be playing uh Wonderview next week as well. Nice. So going up to the mountains again, playing a fun mountain course and then i'm going to be work doing more field work and working just on um slingshot trying to not use my shoulder as much yeah and just let my arm be a whip yep and, it's hard it's hard to do uh, work on like yeah so i'm just gonna work on like flexibility training a little bit doing more stretching just trying to make sure that i'm not throwing to hurt myself Right, trying to add distance. Yeah. Uh, because I'm going to be getting ready for Colorado State here in a month, month nice. from th- today, which will be exciting. Nice. So, Perfect. prepping for states, trying to throw further. And also, I was working on my putt last week. I think I mentioned that. Yeah. Doing kind of more of a, of a loft. And I'm inconsistent with it, but I can tell that I'm going to be more consistent. Yeah. For sure. As in my misses are up and down right now and not as much left to right. Which is good. Which I was I was missing left and right. So uh I am excited at the progress that I've made in just like a few days of nice. practicing it. Good. So good. It's going well. So, it's always about you? get putting better. Um I went and played a really fun like technical not quite putter just putter course but uh down in san diego um the name's blanking but i joined with two random guys their names were michael and mayor um so shout out to those guys for letting me join with them it was packed michael mayor no one was michael and one was mayor yeah so michael mayor yeah 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 that's you know funny. What, an NFL you know tight end was just drafted. Oh. And his name was Michael Mayer. And, and they would always make a lot of Michael Myers oh, jokes yeah. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Michael Mayer. So yeah. surprised you didn't make a Halloween I, joke there. No. Sorry. Anyways. Um <laughs> but they were I mean, they they were playing for two weeks or not two weeks, two months. They each had Wait. like three to five discs and it was fun. It was just, it was so fun to see like how they were better than I was when I started. And like, just to see how far I have actually progressed um, and like how much yeah. knowledge I have like taken in, learned. Like I, this guy walked by us and was like, Oh, I got my, my big germ Jersey on. Like, so he said, mayor was like, Oh, nice shirt to this guy. And he's like, Oh, I got it from the big germ sale that he's had. Like they're from last year's season. And then Blink's face, he's like, I was like, he's a, a professional disc golfer. He's like, Oh, okay. And I was like, Do you guys know who Paul Macbeth is? They're like, Nope, never heard of him. Like they What? Yes, they did it. Like they are like wow. fre- fresh onto the T pad disc golf players. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was so much. That's fun. so cool. That is yeah, fun. yeah. So, like, so, and you would know who Paul Macbeth is, especially in Southern California, if you were an Innova thrower. Yep. But now that had, Paul's not Innova, 
he's not the first he's probably not the first person they'll know yeah i, I mean i don't know who they will find but like they didn't watch any videos yeah. on youtube they didn't watch any videos on youtube they uh-huh. they only had innova discs um but yeah it was it was super fun i got to help them out a little bit with like they did their for throwing they had their finger on the top and i was like you gotta you gotta tuck that underneath and then beforehand they were doing the, <laughs> they're doing the scissor throw which like isn't terrible but oh yes the, the yeah that's how yeah. i started too yeah so i was like the uh for for reference michael's saying one of your fingers is like in the middle of the disc and one is on the rim yeah they call like it a split grip like you would throw an ultimate frisbee so yes nothing yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very common and, to, and to do. Most most pros have their fingers stacked on top of the rim, yeah. so that way all your pressure's on the rim instead of on the flight plate. Um, sorry, just had to clarify. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it it was super fun to help them out, and um, just it's just cool to see more and more people still getting into the game, and I hope they stick around and keep playing. Um, because it's a fun sport. So that's what I'm looking forward to is just like enjoying disc golf again and being happy with how much I have improved instead of being upset that I'm not consistently getting better and better and better. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's good. I like yeah. that. That's a positive way to end the episode, I think. Yeah, for sure. So look at us being positive, guys. Yes. Uh, thank you if you stuck around to listen. Uh, this will be on every type of podcast form out there. This one will be thrown up on YouTube too. Um, and I'm excited to oh, give us a thumbs up. Yeah. Yep. All right. Lefties out. Peace.